0: I feel like I just talk about contact all day now, because the next application on the list is K-Organizer, which is a component of contact, or or it can be. It can be launched as a separate application, but I usually interface with it through contact, and so that's what I'll assume everyone does, uh, which is not a safe assumption by any means, but that's what I'm doing anyway. and And no matter how you get there, I mean, I think K-Organizer looks strange to me, Outside of contact, because it just it's 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 so small compared to compared to all of the different widgets and things in in contact, but the it's a calendaring application first of all, and it's it's pretty much what you would expect. I I think I mean you've got on the upper left corner you have an overview of the month, and then under that under that is a an 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 item selection box. And right now it's empty. It just says no item selected. This is my favorite feature of K Organizer. That empty box becomes a really, really convenient widget momentarily. Below that, there's a list of all the calendars you have subscribed to. By default, if I recall correctly, there are maybe one or two. One is birthdays and anniversaries, which is extracted from your contacts. And I think there was a personal one there as well. Personal calendar default. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And then in the, the next uh, column from, or the next panel over from that is the calendar in some, in some configuration, some view of, of a, of a calendar. There are lots of different views that you can have. You could look at it through a, as a month. So it's just a big grid with lots of days on it and, and little slivers of appointments. Or, or events, you can look at it as a timeline, which kind of gives you almost a project manager style overview. You can view it as in in what they call the agenda mode, and if you click on agenda, that sort of unlocks the day and the week view as well. so those are your options, pretty straightforward stuff, nothing super super exciting really, but I'm going to go back to the month view for a minute, and I'm going to click on. Uh, this event here, some arbitrary event in my calendar. And the little box over on the left that I told you was very exciting it was empty before. Now that I've clicked on this event, that box is populated with all the data from that event. I realize that doesn't sound like that exciting of a, uh, of a UI choice. But if you've used other calendaring applications or web apps where you either have to click into an event to a whole other screen to see just the rudimentary data about it or you have to drag over the event and it pops up an instant preview of most of the data but not all and then you can't get rid of the stupid preview so this has this does have a preview if you it's a tooltip you can you can just hover over a thing and then you've got a tooltip that 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 appears so you don't have to click into it but if you want all of the data with 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 all of the information about that event you just click on the event you're, you're still in your main view but you just you you also have the details about that event over on the left and i just i love that design choice it seems so silly so simple and yet really it's it's a big deal it's a it's a great little feature of of k organizer I don't use KR Organizer as often as I kind of wish I did. Uh, in a way, I, I could do more calendaring. I could do better at calendaring. I use it mostly, I, I use calendaring at work mostly or to coordinate with other people in, in real life. But a lot of that is just done through other people's calendars. And I, I do feel like I could, I could be a little bit better at, at that sort of thing. But, or rather, I could be better. I, I could I could get more experience on K Organizer were I to use it more often for calendaring. But as it stands, I, I don't do that much calendaring in K Organizer. If anything, it's in it's on my work laptop in evolution, because that's running GNOME. So that's that's as much as I know about um K Organizer. Well, that's not true. You can also, of course, subscribe to calendars. And that's the, that's the way that calendaring is done over the iCalendar or iCal or DavCal, several different protocols. And, and this talks to them all. So if I right click over in this, um, subscription area, I can add a calendar, which by the way, this terminology, I hate this terminology and I know it's not K organizers terminology. It is, I think it's just the iCal or iCalendar, I forget which is the the open one. I think it, it must be iCal. Um, it, it's, it's, it's that terminology, but I just, I can't stand the concept of, I can't get used to the concept of adding a calendar. Because to me, K-Organizer is the calendar. I see the grid, I see the date, the days and the dates. Like, that's the calendar. How can you add a calendar to a calendar? I, I just, that terminology... I will never be used to it I don't think. I wish it was something if we could just use some other term for the the parcels, the packages that you that you bring into a calendar. It could be agenda, it could be uh ev- event listings, it could be um I don't know, something, but I I just I can't I cannot think of adding a calendar because the calendar is the calendar. I'm not adding a calendar to it. I'm adding items to my calendar i just it's terminology anyway um when you go to add calendar you can add birthdays and anniversaries and as i say that that's all extracted from contact your contact list so that's already done for you by uh kde the 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 PIM suite in kde but you also have things like dav groupware resources google groupware k alarm which we've we've made uh on this show a couple of times. Uh, we've we've done some K alarms, uh, Microsoft Exchange Server, Open Exchange Groupware Server, iCal Calendar file, iCal Calendar folder. I don't love any of the iCal or any of the calendar um, formats that I've used. To be honest, I I think they're all they're just, none of them are exactly what I want. I I would love to have sort of a simple version of 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 calendaring. Where it was some you know minimal minimal f- markup file like an RSS feed, but but minimal preferably. So I guess more like Atom feed, but even more minimal maybe. Um, and where you could just publish that onto your server, and then people could subscribe to that, which I know people can do with RSS or Atom. But I, I just wish there was some kind of integration into calendars for that. And I know that. That's not ever use case because a lot of times you want your calendar events to be read and write. But for me, sometimes I just want to coordinate with a group of people. I just want to create an event that transcends time zones, that'll be translated by their local client, and I just want to throw that somewhere on a server, let them subscribe to it so that it appears on their calendar. And I just can't find a really, really easy way to do that. I mean, I guess the easy the easy way, I guess, is to to create like a next cloud calendar and distribute that as a subscribable entity. But that's just not always that. That's, that to me seems like overkill maybe. So, um, that's K Organizer really. Uh, it's a great little application. It's a great component of, of contact. It's, uh, it's pretty darn useful. Now there's a bunch of different libraries and bits and pieces that I don't have a whole lot of experience with. And so it, it seems silly for me to to talk about in detail. So I'm going to kind of just mention them sort of quickly. So KOSM Indoor Map, it's an OpenStreetMap formatted um, helper library so that if you're writing an application and you want to display not just a map but specifically an indoor map, which I've never actually, I don't believe I've ever interfaced with these before, But I I do know that it's possible where you can go in, sort of go, quote, into a building in in a map software and then get the floor layout of of the interior of that building. So that's what this does. K-O-S-M indoor map. I'm going to skip K package for a moment because that that I actually do know something about. Then there's K parts. That's uh, some header files mostly that helps various KDE applications, kind of keep track of like active widgets, widgets that have changed and so on. KPAT, I'm going to skip that for a moment because that's, yeah, that's useful. So KPEOPLE is a library to uh, parse and interpret data about people, like your contact list. Uh, And there's an accompanying library, KPEOPLE vCARD, which makes the vCARD, the the contact uh, form, available to k people and then you use k people colon colon um like people model and and then you can and that and that will be populated that will be an object i could be wrong about the exact name of the the, of the of the class but whatever it is you know there would be an object that represents a person with all the data about that person if you're writing an application that you that, that needs to to represent people from the contacts list, then, then this is what you would use. K people, K people V card, text, edit, another, uh, PIM suite related thing. This is the text editor within various PIM components that permits the user to put in text and this will translate it to other formats. So you get rich text or, you know, whatever, like fancy text, but this library can also export it to HTML or whatever you might need it to export to um, or, or convert to when you're exporting data. KPK Pass. KPK Pass is an Apple Wallet uh, library. It, it allows people to, to interact with Apple Wallet. I, I don't know what Apple Wallet is. Um, according to, uh, I think it was developer.apple.com. It says that it's an app on iPhone, iPod Touch, and Apple Watch, allowing users to easily manage payment cards, boarding passes, tickets, gift wallet, gift cards, and other passes. So it's it's a vault. It's a it's a data vault, probably encrypted. I would assume with that kind of information in it. And and K P K pass let Kde or your KDE application that you're developing interface with with Apple wallet. I've no experience uh, hopefully we'll never have any experience with that. K plotting this is a plotting library. so if you're writing something that needs to display data in 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 some kind of graphical form, uh, specifically a a plot, then K plotting is the library that you could use to do that. KPM core. KPM core is a library for managing partitions. Now we're going to talk later about a partition manager for KDE and that presumably, I haven't looked at that code yet. Um, it, and I probably won't. I mean, I don't, it's not that big of a deal, but it's, I would imagine KPM core is probably used in partition manager for KDE. We, we don't talk about that for a while because it doesn't start with a K and we're very much in the K section as you've probably noticed so we'll get to partition manager once we're out of the K blah K blah section Kpty is a essentially a tty interface but not really it's a pseudo terminal interface uh, that's pseudo not sudo but pseudo pseudo terminal uh, uh, interface as well as apparently a K-process-derived class for running child processes and communicating with them using a PTY. So uh, you'll recall a long time ago, we were talking about Getty and uh, A-Getty and I think N-Getty. That provides the the text console when you boot up Slackware for the first time. That's known as a TTY. Well, there is also a PTY, the pseudo... I don't know what that stands for. I'm assuming it's it's pseudo just because of what i read in the description uh pty yeah pseudo it's a pseudo tty uh interface so it's it's not really a tty i mean tty isn't even really a tty tty stands for teletype something um whereas pty is is the software implementation of that so kpty it's KDE's software implementation of the software implementation of TTY. K-Public Transport, it's a library for accessing real-time public transport data. This is probably, I would imagine, used by K-Itinerary, for instance, which is kind of, I mean, that's, that's the feature of K-Itinerary. You, you can put in your, your, your trips, and, and it knows that that trip, you know, it can now track that trip. So that's, that's really, really nice. I mean, really nice, really cool. Um, but it's not something that I'm I'm going to be using in a town of 400 as I currently live in. So that's probably not going to be something that I, that I use often, at least not for a while. Okay, k-cute-quick charts is a cute-quick plugin to render beautiful and interactive charts. And it goes along with k-quick charts, which is a, a module providing a set of charts that can be used from cute-quick applications. So they go hand in hand. K Quick Charts provides you stuff that you can use with your K Cute Quick Charts in Cute Quick. Cute Quick being a I don't want to say code light because that I, I think that might be a term that that means something else, but it, it it's a simplified sort of interface for writing cute applications. Uh it's quite cool. I I keep meaning to play around with it and I just I never have the the, the, the right project, I don't think. Um, although, you know, I might be, I might be formulating some, but who knows? Um, okay. So that, that's a bunch of libraries that I don't know anything about. And now we can focus on this stuff, uh, on, on a couple of things that I, that I do know a little something about. Uh, the first one uh, going back up the list here is KPackage. KPackage is a KDE5 framework that lets applications manage user installable packages of non-binary assets. I don't know why it's expressed exactly that way. I, I'm wondering if that's a little bit too much, too much assertion that is non-binary, but uh, I, I I, guess it could be non-binary. I, I, I bet you could install stuff that's binary though. But anyway, k-package, did you know that KDE had a package manager? Um You might've suspected it because certainly if you track KDE these days, then you know that there's a KDE, I think it's, called discover program and that's like a software uh, an, an app store for for KDE but k package actually is something as far as i know different from that and it actually is an interface through which you can install like plasmoids or uh, the the wall like you know fresh wallpapers when you click on k get new stuff or whatever whatever that button is in the when you're looking through wallpapers and and window decoration themes and desktop themes and things like that so you you've probably indirectly used k package if you've done anything through if you've downloaded anything through system settings uh you've probably used that at least i should say this is my understanding i i i know for sure that k package can install plasmoids and i know that for sure because i did a really fun little tutorial on uh plasmoids on the kde website and it is i i highly recommend it 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 was a really good little tutorial i will put the link in the show notes but it's a development tutorial on plasma 5 qml2 for you know predictably a, a simple little hello world application but at the end, you're able to install it to your machine, and you use directly K package. And the 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 use of K package is relatively simple. You you tell K package well, first of all, it's not K package. It's K package tool five, and then dash t for type plasma slash applet dash dash install, and then the path or the, yeah the 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 path to your source code. So like tilde slash my slash hello world slash plasmoid. K package generates a JSON file describing your little application and installs it to the appropriate place, which is, you know, tilde slash dot local slash share slash plasma slash plasmoids. Pops it into there. It is named according to a property that you created during during the tutorial. Uh, and then you can go to your, you know, your, like, uh, add, add, add a widget menu, add widgets, you know, like if you right click on the desktop, add widgets and there's hello world. Like there's the thing that you created in the list of available plasmoids. It's really satisfying. Actually. It's really cool. You should definitely go do that if you're at all interested in that sort of thing. So K package anyway, it knows what to expect. It knows what you're going to hand it. Uh, according to the type of application you're asking it to install, and and it knows where to put that stuff. So that's 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 what K Package does. It's a, it's a little bit like KDE's version of, let's say, GNU install. Or, or yeah, I guess I, I guess it's like a scripted version of of GNU install, which, by the way, I still I still think that GNU install is the worst example of namespace squatting I've 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 ever seen. I, I just it still pains me that the wonderfully intuitive word install as a command is occupied by a very sort of specific low-level command that just doesn't really do what it sounds like it's doing it's really just a fancy copy i mean i know that's all an install really is but but wouldn't it be great if if linux distributions like, just had the word install sim linked to its package manager and then you wouldn't have to figure out the special commands for for your the for each different distribution's package manager you could just install foo and foo would be installed it would be so nice anyway um i digress. k package it's a simple thing it you know it kind of calls itself k package and you so you think oh this must be some kind of a p- package manager but it, it's not it isn't really i mean not not when we think of dnf and apt and so on it's it's just a it's just a simple installer really but it is useful i mean it's it's useful because if you're creating things that are you know with a predictable structure for the kde desktop then KPackage knows how to how to handle those all the different files okay next up is kpat This is a card game it's a solitaire card game specifically no actually it's several solitaire games there are it looks like uh, well there's five across and three down currently this is highly adjustable so actually you can you can make it any size that you want which is really nice Uh, so anyway it's like yeah 14 games in here there's aces up baker's dozen castle 40 and eight free cell grandfather klondike simple simon spider yukon lots and more lot but lots of them and you click into one and it lays out the cards for you deals them and and then you play the game and like i say there are 14 different games so it it doesn't make any sense really to to um to try to figure out or, or try to talk about how each game is played there is a very very cool thing which is a demo button at the top and it it it's all it, it plays the game for you basically and you, whether or not you understand what you're seeing is a different question because because really it does it, it it just plays the game it's it's it doesn't it doesn't give you the logic it doesn't tell you why it's doing what it's doing it just starts moving cards around so i don't know how useful it is but it it might be there's also a hint button so that kind of hints towards you know possibly the next move but again it doesn't necessarily tell you what the next move is it just or or what to do with the card that it highlights it's just telling you there's something about this card that that you should be looking at so you do kind of have to know what the what the game is that you're that you're getting into or else you will be lost however there is a handbook and it does the, the handbook does cover each game for you. So if you need to learn a new solitaire game, then it does provide the rules. Klondike is the most famous, famous patience. Oh, pat means patience. I forgot to mention that. Most likely because it comes with a well-known operating system. It is played with one deck. The goal in Klondike is to put all cards, all real families ascending on the foundation. This gets easier once all cards are lying face up and so on. So yeah, it, it, it does describe every single game that it ships with. So, you can learn a bunch of solitaire games. I have to admit, I'm not. I'm not a big solitaire player. I mean, I do play a lot of solitaire games, but not the not the you know poker deck solitaire game variety. Not for any good reason. I I actually quite admire that sort of thing because I think that designing a game for one person is frequently difficult. There, that's a That's a real technique, I think. So the fact that there are so many and that they use the same kind of deck, I just think that's so cool. I just love, I really admire, I have a lot of admiration for, for, for a standard deck. I don't know that that's the best deck for what it is. Like, I, I wonder if people developing that deck a long time ago, uh, coming as it did from, you know, traditional tarot decks and stuff i wonder if they would have if if that's the deck that would have evolved if 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 they had known that it was going to last for several hundred years and be the default deck of cards for so many different games but the fact that that's that's just one deck of cards and that it has evolved into so many games i mean this this is 14 solitaire games in this one application and that's by no means not every solitaire game that exists nor is it every game based on that deck of cards. You can do a lot with a, a just a simple poker deck. It's really, really, really neat. Um with all of that having been said, um, this is not a game that I will likely use all that often. Or who knows, maybe it'll be the thing that gets me into Solitaire. Um of course it's the same it's it's the it's the typical KDE game uh suite sort of setup. You know, you've got you've got a really nice interface. you can go to settings and change the appearance drastically. I prefer oxygen air myself, but there's also ancient Egyptian, there's Dondorf, there's Niku ornamental. I know Niku vaguely from from the Fedora project. Um, standard penguins. so uh, lots of different card decks that you could that you can use. Oh, and there's even that you can theme the table as well. That's cool. I didn't realize that. I didn't even notice that. And of course you can get new themes, which as far as I know, uses KPackage to install new themes. There's, um, is there anything else? Oh yeah. Well, the, the fact that there's the, it's, it's, it's highly scalable and I don't know if they're using actual SVGs for this. I guess we could find out if we do a less on slash var slash log slash packages, K pat, let's look for s SVG. Oh, it does. It does. So these are, oh, those are the themes. Okay. So does it do, well, yeah, I I don't know if those are the themes for the cards. Either way, there's a bunch of SVG Zeds, which are compressed SVGs. So I wonder if that's a sprite. It's probably a sprite sheet, essentially, is what that is. Oh, that's very cool. That's very neat. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful little interface on it technical level i mean i don't know there you know there might be even more beautiful interfaces for cards now i don't play cards so much on computers i think it's really nice though. i think there's a lot to be said for that interface it's very very nice so that's Kpat. pat it, it's it's pretty cool it's a neat little game if you're into that sort of thing uh so check it out for now though i think it's time for a little break so let's go get some coffee come back finish up the show <laughs> coffee and still not that special summer blend that i was talking about last time i just haven't I haven't ordered it yet because i'm not out of my other coffee and, and I, I don't want to order one and then let the other sort of languish so I, I need to finish the current batch and that's okay uh i can i can wait i mean summer technically hasn't even started here in new zealand so it's it's early technically yet for for the summer blend of coffee Okay, so I'm I'm skipping around a little bit here in the list. If you're if you're carefully following along, you'll notice that, that I did some things out of order. And I'm gonna do that again because the next application called actually did I skip one? I feel like I skipped one. KPK pass K people, KPAT, KPars, K Package. No, okay, I did it. Alright, so the n- n- next one in 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 my list is KRDC, but that depends heavily upon krfb you can't really use one without the other i mean strictly that's i guess not true but i think realistically you're you're probably going to be using both and either way we're going to talk about both so i think in the workflow it starts with krfb and if not exactly krfb then something like krfb so krfb is the desktop sharing application of kde lately at least in in as of slackware 15.0 i have noticed that it appears to be um sort of an not an always on but an always available kind of application so if i click on the kde system tray for like this in the status and notification pop up window or menu one of the selections there is desktop sharing and if i click on that krfb appears I'm telling you this specifically because I spent quite some time for a while trying to launch KRFB from the KDE, the K menu, and it didn't appear to be failing, but also it didn't appear, a window wasn't appearing, and that was confusing me, and I thought something was just dying silently, but actually it was just launching itself into, or it had already launched into the system tray. So be aware of that. You might have to go to your system tray, look around for desktop sharing, click that, and the window appears. The window is called desktop sharing, which is awfully confusing for an application called KRFB. KRFB stands for KDE Remote Frame Buffer. Rolls right off the tongue, doesn't it? So desktop sharing is kind of a simple window. You, You need to check you need enable for a check mark, enable desktop sharing. It provides you with your connection details. This is a hypothetical connection because no no connection is, is active. But as long as you've got that enable desktop sharing, essentially you have started a VNC server. VNC is a virtual network connection. And that's the thing that lets you connect to other computers graphically across a network. It's like SSH, but it's got the whole graphic stack along with it. And you might think, well, that sounds like SSH with X forwarding. It does, but it's it's still different because rather than just sending things over a protocol, or well, it is sending things over a protocol, but it's it's not just it's not using the X the Zorg X Xorg X11 whatever uh protocol it is it is broadcasting jpegs uh, essentially an animation an interactive animation of the screen that you want to look at so it's 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 kind of heavier than than x uh, x forwarding ssh arguably but um it also kind of i mean there are benefits to that because you know you're getting well literally and figuratively the big picture you're getting the full thing uh so that's that's vnc You are running, if you've started this and enabled desktop sharing, you're now running a a VNC server on port uh, 5,900, 5,900. So connection details, this is a great, great display of connection details. This is one of my favorite. It has the host name, in case you have DNS on your local network, and it's got the IP address. Admittedly, this is a little confusing, possibly, because it's got both the host and then the IP in parentheses, and then colon 5,900. And I guess if you've never done this before, you might be quite confused as to what exactly the address is that they're telling you to go to. So maybe, I don't know, maybe for how, how complete that is in terms of the information, maybe it would have been even better if it had just been hostname.domain colon 5900, and then maybe on the next line, 192.168.1.23 colon five nine zero zero so you knew that you could go to either of those two places to get to this screen and then there's a password the password by default is just a randomized alphanumeric with a special character thing i think possibly there's room for improvement here as well frankly i think that i i don't think that any such random password like that is going to be conducive to conversations when you're trying to help someone over a phone for instance you know, they've called you up. They need help on their computer. You're the person who knows Linux. Quick. What do you do? You have them fire this application up and then you have them read the password over BGUF dash nine FU. Wait, was, was that B as in beta or, or D as in delta or V as in Victor G? Was that G as in golf or is it? V as in Victor, you know, like it's just going to, it goes on and on, right? Like everything they say, is you're just going to, I think it would be much easier to have some kind of randomized, you know, phrase generator where it sounds like a sentence. I think that would be a lot better to the credit of this application though. It's quite easy to change it. You can click the little pencil icon and make that password. Gnu world order underscore four eight seven dot o p u s there now now we all know what the password is it's gnu world order underscore four eight seven dot opus with a capital g at the at the start it's just init cap so there you go um unattended access can you can you get into a password without explicit confirmation from the other side you can check that on or off so that's krfb and you need one of those or or a vnc uh, server running on your on your target on your destination computer on the place that you want to be on that has to be running before you can actually use k rdc which is the the actual application i'm supposed to be talking about krdc stands for kde remote desktop connection you can connect to desktops over two different protocols through this application. There's VNC, and then there's RDP, RDP. RDP, I think, is a Windows thing. I don't know really anything about it. But VNC is exactly what we've got going on over here in KRFB. So I could type in the IP address, and then I don't think I have to follow it by the colon 5900 because I believe it just figures that out on its own. Oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm typing in the wrong password. It's funny that I did that because I very specifically set the password. So upon entering the correct password, yes, it does append the 5900. Of course, if I had wanted to if I if I knew that I had been running VNC on a non-standard port, then I could have included the colon 59 001 or 6400 or whatever port I was running VNC on. But in this case, it's the default. So who cares? Put in the IP, put in the correct password to get onto that remote system. And then you've got your desktop and you can make your desktop image full screen so that it feels like you're actually just using that computer instead of your own computer you can make it small you can adjust the bandwidth that it's going to require by by compressing the image more you can observe or you can take control of the mouse and so on like you know it's desktop sharing so it's everything that you would sort of imagine this is the sort of thing i mean i used to use this all the time at 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 jobs It, it was you know, just for support and for maintenance and things like that. It's it's a brilliant, brilliant little system. Really love it. I mean, a lot of people sort of have an antagonistic relationship to VNC because especially if they're, you know, Linux users, they think, well, SSH and exporting should be enough for anybody. But realistically, VNC is it's a very broadly accepted, universally available protocol. It It's it, it, getting comfortable with it, getting used to it, making it Sort of the norm is actually kind of nice, and I guess that's the new trend anyway. Because as far as I understand, Wayland doesn't isn't going to have like an equivalent Wayland forwarding option. I I think that's I I believe that's correct. I think that's a pity. I I I do think there there's probably room for that sort of thing, but I guess I guess it's less now. And I and frankly, a lot of the times when I was X forwarding anyway. If you start getting too too complex in terms of what you're forwarding, I don't know. I experienced environment problems. Like you know, I would, I, I, an environment variable wouldn't come through. For, you know, it, I'm sure that it was my fault. I'm sure it was my environment not being configured optimally for what I was doing. All I'm saying is that sometimes that would happen. Whereas with VNC, because you're you're just you're just eavesdropping on the screen, you're just getting the screen. The environment is still on that remote computer. It just, I don't know, everything sort of just kind of worked that way. Um, I'm not, I'm honestly not saying VNC is necessarily better than X-forwarding. I'm I'm simply saying that it is, there are certain conveniences to VNC and I'm not antagonistic towards it. I'm I'm fine with VNC making that process easier. There may well be someone out there who has very, very legitimate uses of X-forwarding and hates to see that going away, and and I can respect that because I've seen some amazing things done with exporting. Definitely, um, all I know is that for my simple use cases, VNC is actually quite convenient. So that's K R D C and K R F B, which I'll have to remember uh, eventually. Although you know what, it's so close now, I think we can get through K rename and K reverse before I end this episode. So K re- rename. Is a powerful, it says, batch renamer for KDE. Look, any batch renamer is is good to me. I K re, rename in Thunar K renamer. It's an amazing, amazing thing. It's one of those things. It is literally one of the things that brought me to Linux. I, I I say that about a lot of things, and and I mean you know obviously when you're making a switch of your operating system, there there is usually some some single triggering thing that you can identify in theory and say, well, that, that was the moment that I, I, I put down the other one and picked up Linux. But, but once you're sort of, it, it's not, it's not an overnight thing. And you're kind of like, you're evaluating and you're experiencing and you're, you're deciding whether this is like a a hobby, uh, just a, a thing that you're doing this week, or whether this is for the rest of your life. And I think one of the things that confirmed that this was for the rest of my life was the need to rename a bunch of files. I shouldn't say that. I should say process a bunch of files. It wasn't always renaming. But there are files that sometimes you just, you need to be able to rename in bulk, or you need to process in bulk. And that's what K Renamer makes possible. And what a, a beautiful, beautiful thing that is too. So I'm gonna make uh, a couple of different files here. I'm just gonna call them Fubar, baz, blah, quirk, and neon. So that's six files, six files in my RAM disk. Open up krename. So, uh, oh yeah, finish this story. And, and the fact that, that Linux made it easy to bulk process, like pretty darn trivial in, in some very clever GUIs like Thunar, uh, cause I didn't know about K rename until very recently. Um, or, or, you know, through simple scripting, uh, relatively simple script scripting. I mean, it's not simple when you're just learning it, but you know, it gets really easy, really fast. Okay. So. Here's k-rename. I'm going to add some files to it. I'm going to go to my RAM disk. I'm going to select all of the files. And here they are. They're listed in k-rename. The destination is going to be... I'm just renaming the input files. This is a tabbed interface. So the step one is files. You add the files here. You can sort them differently, which is quite nice. That's kind of cool because... I mean, I don't know exactly why you'd need to, but I guess just... Just for your own reference point, maybe you know maybe I want all the b all the files starting with b up at the top and then all the other ones down at the bottom in any order you couldn't care less about the order there uh, okay, so now they're they're all sorted so now i'm going to go to destination that 's the next tab. I can copy files to a destination folder. I guess I could do that too i could i could um yeah, I, I could make maybe a new folder in in my ram disk just just for kicks uh i'll call it renamed okay so that's that's the that's the location now there's a a a selection to overwrite existing files which i don't i don't need to do because it's an empty folder and then there's a lot of different plugins. So you can do, for instance, a series number, which will which will process uh, episode, season, and uh, season number. I guess that must be. There's subfolder sort plugin. The plugin sorts files into numbered subfolders after renaming. There's date and time, exif, all kinds of uh, all kinds of plugins. So that you possibly don't even have to, um, you know, sort of figure out how to get to where you want to be it might already exist this is an amazing application there's increase counter which just adds a given offset to numbers in file names so if you have images you know if you have image images called 01 02 03 and so on but you want to start them at i don't know 101 then you can do an offset to you know plus 100 and then it knows to offset those so i'm not going to enable any of these because i mean these are just sample files really uh and then i'm going to go to the file name and this is where you get to structure the whole the whole thing and best of all you get a preview you get a live preview of what would happen to those files if you were to do the thing that you are saying that you want to do so and this is amazing so there's a prefix a suffix File name and extension, and these are all fields that you can just fill out. So it's 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 there's no mystery here, you know. It's super simple. So the prefix, uh, I could do a, a date, I could do a number. I'll do a number, and then I'll do uh, for the file name, I'll I'll put a an underscore. So it's it's number underscore, and then maybe I'll do um, let's see, APL one three underscore again. And then the original file name, which I don't have to do anything for. That's just, that's, that's implied. It understands that I'm not replacing the file name. Although if I wanted to get fancy, I can click the little info button and learn all the different variables available to me. And there are many. So there's old file name converted to uppercase. That's the ampersand. That's cool. There's a dollar sign, which is just the old file name. Uh, but, but I mean, there's, you have control over all of this. So the, the old file name is presumed. It is something it assumes that you're using the old file name. If you're not for, I don't know, some reason you can just, uh, one of the fields is called file name. You can just give it a custom name. So I could just call them all. Hello world. And then I've got I've got one underscore APL, one dash three underscore hello world, two underscore APL, one dash three underscore hello world, and so on. So, I mean, you can override basically everything. You can capitalize, you can use the old file name, but convert it to lowercase or uppercase, or just use the original file name. So lots of options there. You can change the suffix. So, you know, add something, something uh, at the end of, of a bunch of files, and then you can what else can you do uh use a different extension so you can have them all be um use original no i want to customize the extension so i'm going to do .txt so now they're all .txt files oh i don't need the dot okay just txt it insert it puts the dot in there for me uh and now i can finish it tells me that it's working and that it has finished and i can close that window to to close out of that application. And yes, there's all the files in the renamed directory and they've been copied there. They haven't moved there. They've been copied there. And of course, I could have I could have adjusted that as well. So all of those things are I mean, it's just one of the most configurable renamer tools and honestly, I mean, there's a lot of tabs, a lot of buttons, a lot of fields, but if you as long as you don't see, you know, a visual complexity and and panic like it is really really intuitive and and really really powerful really really easy and not intimidating like this is a renamer tool that you would use gladly if you had to rename stuff um quite frankly I, i can see myself using it a lot because I, I i do get bundles of files from like humble bundle and things like that fairly frequently and i'm often rename renaming them or at least appending something to their existing names to 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 classify them for myself so i could i can see myself using k rename quite a lot so very very exciting discovery definitely definitely check that one out and then the last one for this episode well technically not the last one but I've done the last one, KRFB. So the one before KRFB, so that I don't have to remember to do KRFB, is k Reversi, And that is a game that I've actually, I'm pretty sure I've played this before. The goal, it, it, looks, um, it looks like the, the, the game, I think it's, well, who cares what it looks like? It, it looks like it's, it looks like Reversi is what it looks like. There are two colors of beads. White and black. Well, at least by default. Do I have a settings change? I can use color, different colors, so red and blue. Uh, I can turn that off. Oh, and that's the only theming for a change. Oh, interesting. That's kind of disappointing for a KDE game not to have a, an Egyptian theme. I'm very upset by that, even though I haven't been using the Egyptian themes for the past couple of games. Anyway, two different colored beads on a, a grid board. The goal is you place a colored bead on the on flanking sides of a different color causing those beads to change color so if there's a white token white bead and then a black bead and then i place a white bead so i've got white black white then the moment i click uh why isn't did the computer win already or something no it's my turn it doesn't seem to be letting me Oh, I can't do it there. Okay, interesting. That's a subtle... Oh, I forgot what color I was. That's why. Okay. So, um, darn it. Okay, anyway. White, black, and then I place white. Then suddenly I've got white, white, white. Because that black one in the middle, it had to flip color when surrounded. So here's another setup here. I've got... I have to remember what color I am. So here's black, white, white. So I'm going to place a black token... At the end of that sequence, and now I've got a row of four black beads instead of white beads. There is a, a sort of a hint mode where you can show legal moves. So you can see where where you would be allowed to, rev- to, to place a token to reverse stuff. It gets pretty complex. I, I'm trying to imagine playing this game in real life because I, I just feel like you really kind of have to look around a lot for for the things that get flipped. Um there's also a a very weird kind of thing where it's it's not super clear when when your when the effects of your turn has ended and the effects of the computer's turn has begun. So it, sometimes it looks like you put a bead down and you think you know what got flipped and then all of a sudden the computer secretly plays and, and a bunch of other things flip and and you think that that was a result of what you did but it's not. It's just that the computer had taken a turn. It's a really neat. Uh, it, it works diagonally as well. Um, it, it is a, a very cool game. Um, a lot of fun. I, I don't know. I don't know how much I I would play it in real life because I I do feel like there's a lot of sort of back and forth, and I don't I don't know that I love that mechanic all the time of where you feel like you've just made real progress towards winning and then oh the whole board changes out from under you i can see why some people do like that not saying it's a bad mechanic i'm just saying a lot of times for me it just makes it seem like the game is going to go on forever like there's no hope of ever of ever anyone winning because it's just it just things keep flipping and at that point i just start putting arbitrary things down because i i I just feel like it's all down to chance like well who knows what's going to flip next who cares i'll just flip I'll flip what I can. I'll just put down beads to get the game over with. So I don't think I would actually sort of latch onto this, but it is a well done game. Um, it, it's relatively quick, so you can kind of get through a, a game pretty, pretty, pretty quickly, pretty easily. And it looks like I won. I got thirty-seven beads to the computer's twenty-seven beads. Uh, that was on easy mode, for the record. So that's k Reversi. I do feel like... I, what, is it just called Reversi in real life? Like, is that the game? I don't know. I've I've definitely seen this game before. Is it Reversy? I guess it is. I guess it is just called Reversy. That doesn't sound like a real game to me. Ah, okay. It was invented in 1883. Othello, a variant with a, an initial setup, was patented in 1971. Okay, there you go. So Othello is the game that I was thinking it was. Well, that's it. I think that's as far as we're going to go today because the next one in the list is Krita. And you had better believe that I have stuff to say about Krita. It's one of my favorite applications, I think, maybe of all time. It's an amazing application. I I actually wish I could use it even more than I do. Um, And I do use it a lot. And that's what I'll talk about next time. I'll tell you exactly what I do with Krita. It's a great application. Check it out in advance. Until then, until next time, thanks for listening. and I'll talk to you next week.